Hi guys, I haven't gotten a chance to record in a really long time and I was struggling to find a topic to discuss after everything that's been going on. So I thought, why not just talk about exactly what's been going on? My grandma passed away a couple weeks ago and her funeral was last Monday. All I have been able to think about is her and grief and how I haven't been able to process her death. My grandma was diagnosed with Alzheimer's 13 years ago. She lived with us all my life until basically her condition became very difficult to care for and we made the difficult decision to put her in a nursing home. I want to talk about my experience because when we think of grief in relation to dying, it's always after the person has passed that the grieving starts. Or in rare circumstances, when we know someone is on the brink of death, we start the grieving process. In my case, I have been grieving the loss of my grandmother for half my life. Half. I knew my Nana with Alzheimer's as long as I knew her without it. And unfortunately, as is the case for most people, our memories are stronger from when we are older than from when we were children. I have had to rely on the memories I have of my Nana from the first 13 years of my life to remind me of who she really was. Today, I want to touch on the stages of grief in relation to experiences with my Nana and Alzheimer's. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are the five main stages of the grieving process. And many used to think that these stages were linear, as in they happened like back to back. But what a lot of research and psychologists have found is that humans process these stages of grief in very random nonlinear patterns. You can go from anger to bargaining, back to denial, and so on. Just because you've reached acceptance at some point doesn't mean you can't go back to the stages of, let's say, depression. If you have ever lost someone, not just physically, but also emotionally, like a heartbreak or the end of a friendship, then you know that there are some days you are completely fine and you feel like you've moved on and there are other days where you're angry or hurt still by what's happened. And I'm not sure how many people will relate to this. And I think this episode will mostly be something that forces me to kind of process her death and really reflect back on how Alzheimer's affected my family. If you don't know, Alzheimer's is a disease of the brain that affects your memory, learning, and behavior. Brain cells are literally degenerating. Obviously, the way it presents in people is different, but there are also a lot of common symptoms people share that have Alzheimer's. When my Nana first started showing symptoms, it was so unusual to our family. Forgetfulness at an old age is kind of expected, but what started happening with my Nana was just so much beyond just forgetting. She became very fearful, paranoid, more angry. Her entire personality was changing. Prior to that, my grandma was a very loving, kind, wouldn't hurt her soul kind of person. The entire family's reaction to this change in personality was just like, what the F is going on? And it would kind of come in episodes. It's not like she was like this all day. It would be one big outburst every couple of days. One of the earliest memories I have was of her starting basically a tantrum because she thought the family was stealing her money. Uh, She was throwing herself on the ground, shouting at the top of her lungs, hitting herself, running around her room. It was 
basically like a child throwing a tantrum. That's the best way I could describe it. And for me, and I'm sure for my dad and his brothers and the rest of the family, it was like, here's this person who is the backbone of our family, the person who we all adore and admire and look up to acting like a stranger. And that's when the first stage of our grief started. Denial. The entire family was not prepared to fight this battle. When my grandma would go into these episodes, it was honestly very toxic. We would argue back with her, use logic, yell, tell her to stop, get mad at her. Everything you shouldn't do with someone who is so clearly in a different mental state than all of us. Granted, I was 13 at the time, so I wasn't really the one arguing, but I would definitely watch and listen. My Nana would throw a tantrum about really odd things, like she couldn't find a pair of pants and then accuse us of stealing. Or if we called her out on doing something incorrectly, like not adding the right spices to a meal she was cooking, that was the end of the world. I have a very vivid memory that I've actually been super embarrassed to share to anyone. And before sharing, I just want to put it out there that I was young. I had no idea what was going on. From my perspective, it was almost funny. Like, haha, my grandma's literally rolling her body on the floor because she can't find her pants. I remember I was on the phone with two of my friends at the time, and my grandma started going into one of these episodes again. And I was like to my friends, oh my God, please listen to this. And I put the phone on speaker, and we were all making fun and laughing at the situation. Looking back, I want to say that was a weird way I was coping with it because I just don't know what else to make of the situation other than use humor. I don't know. There also was never anything directly communicated to me about my Nana's condition. No one sat me down and said, oh, hey, Nana is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. That is why she's acting like this. I honestly couldn't even tell you when I found out, but I'm pretty sure it was because I would always listen in to everyone's conversations and overheard that that was the diagnosis. I want to say around sophomore year, I was looking up things on Google about Alzheimer's, and I had came across this song called Unraveling that literally changed my entire life from that point on because it was spot on to everything I was feeling with my Nana. And by junior year, I was presenting in my psych class all about Alzheimer's and my experience living with someone with a disease. But okay, anyways, back to denial. Denial and anger oftentimes went hand in hand in my family. Not only did we try to argue back with her, but also we didn't do too much to change her environment. For example, my Nana had two statues of St. Mary and one statue of Jesus in in her room, and she would always talk to them, like have full-blown conversations as if they were talking back to her. And the more she talked to them, the more she would get upset because it was almost like whatever they responded back to her in her head, it would give her validation for her feelings. If she thought we were stealing stuff from her, she would say stuff like, yeah, and Jesus saw you, he told me. You would think the simple solution would be to remove those statues from her room, but nope. I want to say we kept them in there for quite a long time before we were like, okay, these gotta go. They're causing more problems. She also had two big armchairs, and whenever she was feeling scared or paranoid someone would come get her, she would move the big armchairs in front of her door to block anyone from coming in. Mind you, these were very heavy chairs, so can you imagine the adrenaline this poor woman was feeling to be able to move these two chairs to block her door? Again, you would think the simple solution would be to remove these from her room, but no. Actually, we never removed the chair. We had to eventually remove the door from her room, but that was like years after her diagnosis. I want to say seven years, and we were living in a new house by then. Another thing that my Nana started doing that was very, very unlike her character, like, guys, I'm not kidding you, so unlike her, 
was to be verbally abusive to the point where honestly she would say some things and the only thing that we could do was go lock ourselves in our room to kind of like take a minute and process what she just said and then come out without getting angry. And my poor mom would probably sometimes get it the worst because I don't know if I mentioned this already. My Nana was my dad's mom, but my mom um, became her main caretaker, as is the case for most Middle Eastern households. The eldest son takes care of his mom, but really it's kind of like the eldest son's wife. This was also especially hard for me because here I am, maybe 15 or 16 at the time, and having to be in the middle of the two most important women in my life. And by that, I mean being angry at my Nana for treating my mom or others the way she did, but also being very understanding and empathetic of what was going on with her. I can't really figure out why, but although I would be very angry towards my Nana, I was also the only one in the family who kind of figured out how to deal with her. I've always had a passion for psychology and and taking care of others with disabilities, if you don't know. Um, I am a behavior analyst that works with children with autism, so I've always had a lot of patience and acceptance with people who have had disabilities, or in this case with Alzheimer's. When everyone in my family would get upset at her, I'd have to tell them to leave or have them stop yelling because it was making it worse and then try to de-escalate her by either letting her just cry or maybe singing her a church song she really liked or playing into her current state of mind where I would pretend I was believing what she was saying to make it seem like I was on her team. And I would do all of this all while crying to my best friends when they would come over about how hard it was to live with her. It came to a point where every day was its own battle. We started having to lock our room doors, hide kitchen equipment, make sure that there was always eyes on her. I have another very vivid memory of my friends coming over and my Nana had gone into my bathroom and messed everything up and just made it super dirty. And I got so angry. I literally yelled in my room saying, I can't take this anymore. I tried my hardest to never take my anger out on her because I know that would do nothing, but I had nowhere else to redirect my anger. So I would keep it all bottled up until days like that one where I would just scream bloody murder. I'm not sure how I presented the bargaining stage of grief, but I think my bargaining stage was if I was the one to resolve the issues, if I was the one who could get her to calm down, if I became the only one that understood her and not take my anger out on her, then we're good. I relieved some of the tension on the family, we're good. Or if I could get her to recite some of the names of our family, then she'll be less likely to forget. Obviously, that's just a fool's errand because nothing that I could physically do or say would relieve any of the hurt my Nana's disease was causing on the family. Nothing I could do could relieve my mom's stress of taking care of her, and nothing I could do could relieve my dad's grief of losing his mother day by day. The bargaining stage of grief is, I think, the most interesting one because it's really a time period where you're trying to do everything to prevent more emotional damage on yourself. It almost becomes little to do with the person we're grieving, but more to do with what I can do to make myself feel better. You're in the state of feeling a sense of responsibility for what's happening. For example, my uncles would do a bunch of research on medication that would prevent the disease from getting worse, or studies we could sign up for that were looking at a treatment for those diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I'm pretty sure there was also family members that tried to pray the disease away. All of these things we do to postpone our sadness or grief and feel in control of what's going on. 
I also want to say continuing to care for my Nana in our home was also part of the bargaining stage. Our entire home life was adjusted to fit the needs of my grandma. I mentioned before how we had to put locks on our doors and remove her own bedroom door, but we also had to do things like put triple locks on the front and back door. Um, we had to make sure to seal the windows shut and how we put, you know, put baby gates around the kitchen so she wouldn't be able to get in, how we couldn't leave anything important lying around because she would take it and hide it or throw it away. Um, we would have to go in with her sometimes to use the restroom so she didn't throw her teeth down the toilet. And by we, I should probably say mostly my mom, sometimes myself. But my brother and I also stopped inviting people over because we just never knew when the next big episode would hit. All of this we did because we believed we were able to take care of her better than someone else. That if she stayed with us, it would be better for her. But to anyone who's taking care of or has taken care of an elder, you know that it truly is one of the hardest things to go through especially when it's something like Alzheimer's. For those years you're taking care of them, your life is their life. Their life is your life. They come first and you come second. And I'm not at all saying that in a negative way. This is true for those that are the primary caretakers for their parents or their significant other's parents. You know, in our culture, you respect your parents no matter what. They are your leaders. They are your guide. They are the owls of wisdom. We have a duty, an obligation to care for our parents as they took care of us. That's how we see it. You rarely come across someone from the Middle Eastern culture, Indian culture, Asian culture, and so on, who so easily makes the decision to put their parents in a nursing home. There's statistics on this. Facts. 80% of individuals living in assisted living are white. We take caring for our parents very seriously, even when we are not equipped to do so. I'll repeat that again even when we're not equipped to do so, especially with Alzheimer's. So I'm going to skip the depression part of the grieving stages and move right into acceptance. My family reached the acceptance stage, honestly, eight years after the fact that my Nana was diagnosed with this disease. I mean, of course, they knew and accepted that she had Alzheimer's before that. But in terms of accepting that we can no longer physically take care of her, that came much, much later. And, you know, I'm in no position to say that we should have decided this long before the eight-year mark. I cannot see myself making the decision to put my parents in a nursing home. And you know what guilt one feels in a culture like ours to make the decision to take your parent out of your home? This isn't an overnight thought or decision. This is years of battling between obligation and duty and reality in terms of emotional, physical, and mental capabilities. And when I say obligation and duty, again, I don't mean that in a negative connotation. In collectivist cultures, we are raised to care for one another. It's meant to be a beautiful thing. It was probably the hardest decision for my dad and my mom to make to finally say, you know what, I can't care for her anymore. All right, now on to depression. The reason I haven't mentioned this yet is because depression was sprinkled in to almost every stage. You can be in denial and depressed. You can be angry and depressed. You can bargain and accept and still be depressed. Depression does not exist on its own a lot of the times. And how can you not be depressed when the woman who raised you, loved you, gave you everything, no longer remembers you? 
How could you not be depressed that your name will never be uttered out of their mouth again? How could you not be depressed watching someone relive the most traumatic parts of their lives because that's all the memories that are left? I can't give you a timeline of when my Nana started forgetting what and who because there were several moments she was lucid. What that means is that all of a sudden for five minutes she was having a normal conversation, knew who she was, who everyone was around her. Granted, these periods didn't last long. I think they say sometimes lucid states can occur for the entire day, but that was never the case for us. My Nana would only be lucid for a few moments, tops a couple hours before forgetting again. And these lucid states did stop towards the last five years of her life, I would say maybe a little bit before that. So how does this fast forward to present day? My Nana physically passed away less than a month ago. But I think for a lot of us in the family, she was gone long before that. My grandma lost the ability to speak, use the restroom, dress herself, walk for the most part a long time ago. She would sit and stare out the window for most of her day and rarely utter any noises or sounds. Which is why grieving her actual death has just been so different, I think, to what a lot of people expect when there's a family member that's passed away. We're not going through these stages again. We're not in denial. We're not in depression. We're not bargaining. We're not angry. Maybe it's that we've been grieving her loss for so long that her physical death was almost freeing. Not not to us, but to her. Back in September 2021, I want to say, I visited her at her nursing home, as I always did. And it was the time for her snack when I was there. So they put the pudding in front of her, but she wasn't eating or touching it. She just kind of pushed it to the side. So then, of course, I just started feeding her. And as I'm doing so, I notice that it's really hard for her to open her mouth, take in the food, and swallow. It's almost as if her brain was registering that there was food in her mouth and she needed to swallow it very slowly. And I remember thinking, this is it, the final stage of Alzheimer's. After that, my Nana was sick, in and out of the hospital, and wasn't eating at all. Honestly, all of us in the family were just praying for it to stop. Stop the suffering. If there was any anger felt, it was because we just couldn't take seeing her continue to live like that. So back to grieving her actual death, I don't think any of us did. Her death to us was not something to mourn. She was finally at peace. You know, I kind of wanted to record this episode kind of like a diary entry for myself, but also to maybe help others who are grieving right now or have grieved. I honestly believe that we're not always meant to understand why certain things happen, why people get sick, why people die, why relationships end, why someone changes into the person we no longer recognize. These are all types of stuff we grieve. But acceptance can come without understanding. I used to be so angry wondering why someone like my Nana, the most beautiful, purest soul in the world, got Alzheimer's. I mean, obviously, I know the biological and physiological reasons of how something like this disease can occur, but my anger came from how can suffering like this exist in the world? How can a human continue to live as just skin and bones in a beating heart, but not know who, where, what, when, why to anything? And I will say this is a very dangerous way of thinking for too long, but also a normal part of human behavior. We can't help but think or, like, why me? Why them? God, how can you let this happen? They don't deserve this. I don't deserve this and so on. And I personally don't think any of us know the answer to this. And I also think that you will kill yourself emotionally and mentally searching for a reason and always asking why, why, why. This is the truth and fact. 
Things in our lives happen out of our control. For example, death is inevitable. How someone dies is also not something I can choose to change after it's been set. What we can control is how we choose to perceive it and how we choose to let this event change us for the better. I can tell you how I coped with the loss of my Nana in terms of her living with Alzheimer's. I chose to seek comfort in the little things. I chose to appreciate her hugs and kisses, even if she didn't know she was hugging and kissing her granddaughter. I chose to appreciate hearing her stories that she would relive of her childhood because that's all she remembered and it helped me understand her more. I chose to let her situation teach me patience, compassion, and honestly, unconditional love. I could have forgotten about her, stopped caring for her, not spent time with her. I mean, it's not like it would hurt her. She didn't know who I was. Whether I said hi to her and sat on her bed and tried to talk to her, she would forget the next five minutes. But I wouldn't be the person I am today without her. The life lessons I learned from my Nana during the period of time she had Alzheimer's and the life lessons I learned from her before Alzheimer's are equal. Something people may not know or have really thought about is a lot of times guilt accompanies grief. People start oftentimes thinking they should have done more, helped more, been there more. They start replaying all the bad interactions and regretting the things that they may have ever said or done to hurt that person. And again, this is a very normal part of the grieving process. I'm not saying I didn't feel any of that, but I can confidently say I am happy with how my relationship was with my grandmother. I am happy that I loved her, that I helped care for her, that her Alzheimer's taught me things I would have never learned otherwise. Sure, maybe I could have done more, said more, helped more, but what good does that serve me to hold on to that? You cannot move on from pain and mourning if you are holding on to those types of thoughts and emotions. When I think of my grandma, I force myself to think about all the good and happy memories. I don't want my last few memories of her to be those filled with fights and tantrums and loss of functioning and loss of self. I want to remember her for who she truly was before her mind took that away from her. I also want to mention that this is not easy. I am at this point in my life and it took me years to get here. If you are mourning the loss of a loved one, be patient with yourself. Allow yourself to grow from this, to learn from this, to be better from this. Grief timelines are different for everyone. As someone I know always says, be kind to your struggles. And with that said, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Housewife in Training. (music) 